Welcome to Season 2 of Joyfield and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real-life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. This season, I'm sharing stories of how we, as the people of God, are experimenting with being joy-filled and Jesus-led. In this episode, I have the immense pleasure of bringing you part one of an interview with Ed Corey about his new book, Becoming a Face of Grace, Navigating Lasting Relationship with God and Others. Ed, who is an addiction recovery specialist and president of Equipping Hearts, was also my Thrive trainer for Track One back in 2013. His deep tenderness for the pain in others never ceases to move me as it's born out of his own story of knowing Jesus in suffering and in loss. Here, he shares his own journey towards becoming Jesus-led and how he came to write this series of books currently being released. Join us next week for part two as we do a deep dive into becoming a face of grace. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Tony here, and today I have with me a very special guest, relational skill trainer, pastoral counselor, addiction recovery specialist, and author and president of Equipping Hearts as well, Ed Curry. Ed, it's really, really good to have you today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. So um, Ed and I were just reminiscing a little bit together before I hit record, and it's been eight years since I met Ed um, at a Thrive training that my husband and I went to back in 2013, and a lot has happened in our lives as a result of that training, and you and your wife, Maritza, were integral in uh, changing, really helping my husband and I learn. First of all, I'll say this. I knew of you before Thrive Training because we were in Uruguay, South America, and we were so desperate, so desperate for life model training and relational skills that we found the becoming uh, study that had been released, but it was it was weird because as soon as we purchased it, it like got deleted or something. What tell what happened wow. to the becoming study? Do you remember? So this was like 2009, 2008 or you nine. Probably got a hold. You're thinking about belonging. I think we beta tested all the modules. Okay. So you may have gotten a hold. It might have been belonging. I think you're right. Test. It was, it was, it was like spiral bound. Like it was. <laughs> But we got it. We were so desperate. And we started doing the practices in it because it had joy, joy, joy smiles and some of the, the basic practices. And so before we ever made it to thrive in 2013, we had gotten that book and, and thank God, because we were able to start practicing those skills before we ever made it to thrive training and we desperately needed them. So we were so happy. So thank you so much for all of that work that you have been doing your whole life um, to put together training that really changes the way we relate to ourselves, to God and to each other in a way that that's um, transformative. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you and Maritza. Um, and I just have to give her a shout out because we're not going to talk about her on this call, but um, she was so instrumental in my life. Um, I don't know if she normally has a prophetic voice, but she definitely had a very prophetic voice in my life. 
um, in two different occasions when I was with her. One was in the Heart and Soul Conference in California um, <laughs> with Dallas Willard. And then the other one was one of our trainings that we were with. But two, two different moments, she came to me and just was a face of grace, which we'll talk about um, today. And she just looked me right in my eyes. And one, one, one time she said, Tony, I want you to know that you can never underestimate the power of simply enjoying your children. Don't ever underestimate the power of simply enjoying them. And I had three at the time and it was, you know, very, very difficult. And I was really struggling as a young mom. Um, and I never forgot that. And I've written it in every book I've written. <laughs> That was like the most powerful thing anyone has said to me. And then the other time she came to me and, you know, I was a, like I said, a young mother of young children. And I was a missionary in Uruguay and, and life was so complicated. And she looked me right in the eyes as I was leaving Thrive. And she said, I have to tell you something. And she grabs me and she says, I need to tell you that you do not have to give all of yourself to everyone all the time. And I was like, wow. And, you know, I don't know if God just gives her these moments like that. I mean, is that normal for her (laughs) to just walk around and prophetically speak into people's lives? That's that's normal for Maritza. Yeah. (laughs) So I just, I had to give her a shout out because um, she is just as wonderful and and miraculous as you are. And I enjoyed both of you. And, um, and, and we, we were going to just have her presence with us here. I'm sure too, as she's been with you for a while and has shaped a lot of what you're doing and, and and you do it together. Um, So it's really been beautiful. Oh, thank you. So I've said a lot. Um, what I'd love to do is I would love to hear from you. We will get to, to the book um, and, and its context in these three books that you're, you're about to launch. But I'd love to hear, Ed, if you could share this podcast is about um, being joy-fueled and Jesus-led in all aspects of our life and really trying to give them practical tools to do that. But I always ask people when they come on, if you can tell me what brought you to become Jesus led? If you had to say, and it could be what brought you to into jo- being joy filled as well. It could be the same moment or the same process, but if you had to kind of share this, well, this is kind of how I became more Jesus led as a human, <laughs> as a Christian, how, what would you say to that question? Well, it started when I first um, had a, started a relationship with the Lord formally I was raised Catholic and I always had an awareness of God and his presence. I didn't understand what that was. Um, it, all I know is that was God sovereignly being God in mm-hmm. my life, even though I didn't know what to do with that. But eventually I got into drinking, drugging, demonstrating, doing all the stuff you're not supposed to do. And uh, to make a long story short, um, the critical moment for me was when I was trying to read a Bible somebody gave me and um, actually first was reading the Beatitudes about a month before this and being totally broken because I realized I was nothing like that. But about a month later, um, I wasn't getting anything. I was kind of like, it was one of those, God, if you're there, you need to show me prayers. And so I opened the scripture at, to John 8.32, and it said, if you hold to my teachings, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm. And Jesus knew I was looking for truth. 
as soon as I read that, I was like, okay, you do exist. You are real. And I want you. Um, So it, it started that started me on a journey of, okay, God is interacting with me. It became much more intentional later. Mm. Um, in fact, it scared the snot out of me. Um, the first time I went to a listening to God class, I wrote about that a little bit in the book because it was, you know, up until then I'd been thinking, okay, I'm learning this stuff about God. I'm putting it into practice. But as soon as I realized, well, I could hear him and then be responsible for it. It was the responsible for it part that scared me. Like I didn't want to do the class anymore. <laughs> if I hear him, I actually have to obey. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you mean I can't be in control of this anymore. So wow. um, it was, those were pretty pivotal moments for me. In so I just have to interrupt for just a minute because most people that I know haven't gone to a listening to God class necessarily. I mean, Blackaby, you know, was a thing back in the what, in the 90s, 80s and 90s. And so people were doing that. But Blackaby was far from Emmanuel, uh, the, the way we understand listening to God in that abiding place in our imagination where he interacts with us and uh, woos us and loves us and challenges us and coaches us. Right. Very different. So what kind of listening class was that? And how were you blessed to find this so early? <laughs> Maybe it wasn't early. What age were you? Where, where? Well, I was, this would have been in the early eighties. Okay. So I was, that was still, early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, I was like my very early twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the church just believed that you could hear God and there was no, um, you know, there was no formal, okay, you do appreciation, you do this, you do that, you ask questions, and it wasn't like that. Um, but it, it worked well enough that I knew that you could. Then part of my training and working with addiction was at a Christian alcohol and drug regeneration center. And listening to God was a daily activity. You were responsible for the guys in the program did it. Uh, I had to do it. I learned it, taught it. It was not exactly share manual, but it was close without the, um, the five bar moments to start and end with. But a lot of the interaction with Jesus was real familiar to me when I started to understand share manual, just because that I got to, and probably the late, well, it was 86. Okay. And so from then, it's kind of been building on that. Amazing. And um, I just have to point out, I remember watching videos of yours uh, from early on, because Matt and I went back um, to YouTube and just found videos of you teaching on addiction after you had discovered the brain science piece of joy. And, um, and so just really, we were blown away and thankful for the work that you were doing to, to integrate those, uh, neuroscience and neurotheology into addiction recovery. Uh, absolutely amazing. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, let's talk about these books, um, a little bit. First of all, I, I just have to say congratulations because, this book, um, I wish I had a physical copy of it, but I was just reading the Kindle, um, but I'll get that physical copy, but it is, um, it is so replete. It's so full of um, everything. It's just almost a complete guide, really, and, and not just from information perspective, but from a practice perspective and the way you're training us. So I'll get into all that later, but 
thank you for the work is really what I want to say, because it, it really, you can tell that it has been a labor and a sacrifice, um, probably a joy as well, but lots of work involved there. Yep. Thank <laughs> so you. I want to just say thank you for that. So tell us about this book in context of the other two. Tell us about all three of these books. What are we to expect? Um, about six years ago, I went back to the drawing board and I said, how can I say what I'm saying, but from an entirely scriptural foundation? Mm-hmm. There are many um, churches and ministries that have a good, strong on reverence for scripture, and they are most comfortable when things are based on scripture and scripture is alive. So um, the thought of being able to create um, a new way of doing what I'd been doing before, but rooted entirely in scripture uh, was really exciting to me. It would, it was heartbreaking to me to think that my language, the way I was approaching things while it appealed to a, a good number of people was creating a bar that was so high for many others that they couldn't get over it. Yeah. So I really wanted. And I just want to clarify that because I think it is important. Um, And what you, what you have been teaching your whole life is scriptural, (laughs) but but using more neuroscience language and neurotheology language is what I hear you saying. And that when we talk brain science with some Christians who doubt science or, or question psychology even, um, then it becomes a hindrance to them actually understanding the concepts that are very biblical concepts. And we don't want to, you really were like, I want to remove that hindrance. I want them right. to be able to understand these concepts because they, they are biblical and, and they're essential for human relationship with God and with ourselves and with each other and for true character transformation. And so if, if these Christians are blocked because they can't quite grasp science or grasp that neurotheology is a thing and, and get it that way, then I'm just going to remove that hindrance and try to bring it to them in their language, which is the all Bible and only Bible, you know, to some degree. But I do notice that you have sections in that book that are on neuro, neuro, neurotheology and the brain science. So you still stick it in there though. And that made me laugh because you had said, this is for those people, but, then, but you're stretching them. You're still going to stretch them to see that this is scientific as well. Yeah. Well, I think while I really directed the book at people that want a solid, explicit scriptural mm-hmm. foundation for things, I also know there are readers who are going to want to know, well, how does this tie into neuroscience? Mm-hmm. So each chapter has a little section called the intersection of grace, scripture, and neuroscience mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. really talk about how a theme from that chapter works with the mm-hmm. brain or attachment. So it, yeah. it was kind of fun, including those. That was beautifully done. Absolutely. So this book is called Becoming a Face of Grace. And we're going to talk a a good bit about it today. Navigating Lasting Relationships with God and with Others. Tell us what the other two books are called. The second book is called Beyond Becoming. And we're working on the subtitle, but it's roughly um, a field guide to sustainable community transformation. And it 
picks up where the first book leaves off and says, well, how do you, how do you grow grace intentionally in small community groups? So it lays out a lot of the concepts behind it, um, practices and some things group leaders need to know. The third book is called The Weight of Leadership, How Codependency and Misplaced Mercy Undermine Life and uh, Ministry. So um, it's- uh, I'm sorry, am I the, are my husband not a poster child for that book? Are you? <laughs> um, I never um, accuse anyone of that. I've got enough of my own to, to work with. <laughs> we, we totally talk about how we're, we are definitely, we were the poster children for codependency. <laughs> we met when we were 13, married when we were 21 and, um, you know, have been together ever since, but it, it's been, it's been a lifelong um, process getting out of addiction and codependency. So I can't wait to read that one at, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Wish I had it 20 years ago, but that's what everyone says when they come to um, to read these things and know God in this way. I, I hear it every day. I wish I would have known this, you know, before. And so I know we're all working to getting it known um, as much as we can. You know, uh, Ed, you're, you and I were talking just a little bit before this, and I, I have to say, hearing all three of these laid out that it's it amplified. Um, we, we, with Luke 10, we just finished uh, publishing last year, uh, Joy Fueled, um, Catalyzing a Revolution of Joyful Communities. And then we're, we're working this year on Jesus Led, uh, which is really helping reorient us around how to, how to do that practically as a community, let God lead us instead of programs or agendas or personalities, right? And, um, and then our next one is communities of practice and what those look like. Um, and, um, and then we have uh, training spiritual moms and dads to nurture ecosystems of grace. That's not the titles, but these are the values behind those books. So as you lay yours out, I'm going, we, we were just reveling in, this is on God's heart. It is. <laughs> really believe these things are on God's heart because he's drawing so many of us. And Chris Corsi is just writing constantly too. And, but drawing so many of us to write on these very topics and, um, and that's exciting. And so um, I don't know if you want to comment on that, what you said before the call of just feeling like you, you're definitely feeling like you're listening, you're hearing God. <laughs> yeah. When I talk to people in different parts of the country that I don't, that I really don't normally connect with, and they are wanting to write and talk about those same things. I'm like, perhaps I'm catching spirit here. This, this, this could be, yeah, this really could be something on God's heart. And it's exciting, um, not only to be able to write my piece of it, but to know that it's on God's heart in the world at large. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really is. It, it, I was saying it feels weighty. Um, but at the same time, freeing, like uh, we get to just be our little piece because we're yep. from something so much bigger that God's doing. And that's, that's just amazing. And we don't have to say it all either because other people are saying it and saying it <laughs> in, in their environment and in their way. And I'm just so excited to be a part of this network of, of, um, of God's precious uh, people that uh, his favorite ones, as, uh, as you'll, we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. Okay. Um, thank you for that. Um, the next thing that hit me about your book is I started reading it. First thing that hit me when I started reading it, there were many things, but this one really hit me right off the bat is your, the organizational structure, the way you have broken it down into like a content piece, 
but then and making it stick as you call it. And then this relationship between grace and, and neuro, neuroscience. And, um, and then you have this exercise section as well. Now, the, all of it impacts me in different ways. And we'll talk about several of these different things. But the exercise section I want to talk about, first off, because Luke 10 has what we call our learning process. And I'm, I'm the operations director, but also the uh, training champion for Luke 10. And so I get the privilege of helping people understand the learning process. Okay. <laughs> and our learning process, it is the hardest thing for people to grasp. And sometimes it takes two years to like grasp how to learn in a different way. And when I read your book, part of me goes, oh, did I get this from Ed Curry? <laughs> <laughs> Did you influence me that much eight years ago? <laughs> Did I get this from you and not even know it? No. But um, as I was reading your your list of exercises, and I, and I have them written in case you need help prompting, remembering them. But <laughs> I was like, this is Luke 10's learning process. And Ed has it written, you know, much clearer and better in his book. And, and he, you're encouraging people to do it around scripture. And every single chapter, you're just hitting it. You're like, do it, do this with this passage. And so tell me a little bit about how you came to this learning process, because I, I like I said, I love it. I, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't even know it. And it's, it's who we are in Luke 10. And so I, I definitely want to, you know, plagiarize every one of these steps. And no, I'm kidding. I'm going to be referring people, but um, you just do it so well. Tell me a little bit about it. The thought behind it is learning new concepts doesn't do much unless you practice. There's got to be intentionality. I mean, grace is wonderful. Grace-based attachment is wonderful. But if you're not intentional about connecting with it, uh, it's just another nice idea. It's like a nice balloon. It's there and then it's gone. The structure that I created for the activities are um, for individuals or for groups. Um, I want people to read it individually, but I'm really hoping they'll do groups. So I was trying to think in terms of group process, because I've been doing groups for years. Um, how can I create groups where the focus is on growing grace and not on the usual things small groups degenerate into? So the idea of starting with uh, the affirmations mm -hmm. is important because we need to know who we are individually and as a group there's something about um you know i'm i'm in the past i've really not been much for affirmations um, because i am a kind wonderful person and yes i just kicked my cat it's like the two <laughs> don't the two don't um I don't have a cat and I don't kick cats, but it's, it's the idea that it doesn't right. necessarily reflect who I am. So mm -hmm. each one of the affirmations is part of um, the, an identity that flows out of grace. Mm -hmm. The other part that um, I think is important is um, our face of grace stories, like people who've treated us uh, as special and favorite sometime in our life or sometime during the week. The scripture reflection is, is important because it's something people can do on their own, but they can also do it um, in separately in groups. And it's 
it's a simple process. I mean, this is not a new exercise that Ed created. It's an old exercise that's been around for hundreds or thousands of years mm -hmm. of just reading scripture prayerfully, slowly with Jesus and saying, um, is there something in here you'd like me to talk to me about? And uh, journaling it and continuing to throw, you know, the reflection back. So what do you want me to know about that? What do you mean to know about that? And the idea of then sharing that together in group mm. um, amplifies the voice of the Holy Spirit illuminating that passage of scripture. Mm. Um, that's profound because I'm not a big fan of Bible study in my small groups, the way traditional Bible study is done, because it creates a teacher who's the person with the plan and everyone else passively listens this way of doing it um, gets people to engage personally mm -hmm. with Jesus as they're going through the passage, which is a skill they need to do at home during the week. But when you share it in a group, um, it multiplies everything. Mm -hmm. And the discussion questions we process more than just, well, what did this verse say about this? So, yeah. And, and it also takes the emphasis off of, you know, right interpretation and, you know, all of that and onto what God is saying to me and uh, that application, which is so important. In Luke 10, we, we've, we just say, read until, uh, or watch if it's a video, watch until, until the coach, the Holy Spirit uh, stops you or until something piques your interest and then get your journal out. God, why did this stop me? why is this interesting to me? Why do I get excited about this? Or maybe I'm scared about this. You know, what am I feeling about this? And what do you want me to know about this? And literally dialoguing. And then when they come to our groups, you know, they're, that's what they're supposed to share, not the intellectual right. you know, brilliance they thought when they, <laughs> when they read exactly. this, but what God talked to them about, about the passage. And, um, but like I said, it takes two years almost to train people, to model for them how to do it, talk to them about how to do it, be doing it together. And then finally, at some point it clicks <laughs> for them, but it is so radically different apparently than the way most people were taught to engage with scripture. Yeah, I was not taught that. Well, I, I went to part of my training, we did a retreat and um, I cannot remember the guy's name anymore, but it was early eighties or mid eighties. And um, he, um, we we did a lot of traditional monkish stuff on that retreat and one of them <laughs> was um, scripture reflection which is where I learned it for the first time mm -hmm. and uh, I just found it really fascinating mm -hmm. and for people that are not comfortable doing share Emmanuel uh, this is a great alternative to let scripture speak God speak to them through scripture Mm -mm. I'm just going to articulate these steps as you have them in the book for people. And then, Ed, we're going to we're going to end this podcast for for today and we'll we'll pick it up um, with a different podcast um, with the, the, the actual content of the book. But um, because we're we're hitting time, I think, for for the podcast. So these are the steps you have. Pray and ask Jesus to guide you before you even read the, the verse. Right. 
And then go to an appreciation memory or an interactive memory with God if you have one, but an appreciation memory where you feel uh, God, God's presence with you. So go in, and, and you even have, you know, how does that make you feel? How does, how do you think about that? Um, appreciation memory. And then the third one is read the passage, paying attention to words, phrases, thoughts that stand out to you, and then stop and ask Jesus what he wants you to know about that. Noting your sensations, your images, your feelings, your thoughts, write them down and then share with others. So beautifully outlined that learning process. That's really a whole brain process. And I think our listeners will appreciate those steps. And um, again, that's in your book becoming a face of grace that is on it's already available on kindle and a print version so i'll have the notes in the notes i'll have the link to that so thank you so much for for being with me today i really appreciate um, the time that we've had together thank you're you. very welcome thank you for listening to this episode of joyfield and jesus led if you have not yet picked up your copy of Becoming a Face of Grace, you can get it on Amazon in both Kindle and print versions. The link is in the show notes below. Don't miss the next episode where Ed shares the difference between a face of grace and a face of performance, as well as the four R's of grace that guide us when we have failed to be the best of ourselves. Until next time. <laughs>